Hi, welcome to Exploring the Divine Feminine. I'm your host, Ramona Sidaway, and this is episode number 20. We discuss all things related to the feminine divine, mostly within the context of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All the opinions and commentaries are mine, and they do not constitute doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So let's dive in. Today, I wanted to talk about the two trees in the Garden of Eden and how there are two stewardships over those two trees. One of the biggest differences between the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and other denominations is that we believe that Eve's choice in the fall was a holy and righteous one, a necessary vital step for all of mankind to take on the path to becoming more like our heavenly parents. Now, why would this distinction be important? Because the treatment of the daughters of Eve is a direct correlation, causation, and consequence of how the story of Eden is translated and interpreted. So if Eve is considered second to be second class to Adam, guess what? Her daughters are considered second class to the sons of Adam. If Eve is considered to be weak-willed and easy to, to succumb to sin, then guess what? Her daughters are considered weak-willed and treated as, as if they needed the sons of Adam to take over the reins, to run every aspect of their lives because they just cannot be trusted to run things or make decisions themselves. If Eve is considered only in relation to her creation from Adam, then the idea of divinity will rest solely on Adam and his sons, which becomes a strong insinuation that God is male only, that women were created not to progress to become goddesses, but only for purposes that a man decides. But these long-held cultural assumptions are just plain wrong. To be a female member of the church is actually to have access to the most radical Christian ideology available on earth to date, to belong to the most feministic congregation in existence. I'm going to prove that to you. And this radical ideology begins in the garden, in the correct understanding of what was there, why it was there, the true character of the main characters, and why what happened happened. Before we discuss the beginning, though, we have to start at the end. For if we know where we are pointed and where we are going, it will help with the understanding of the true plan and give a clear picture of what really happened in the Garden of Eden. Now, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we believe in both a male and female God, a Heavenly Father and a Heavenly Mother, our heavenly parents. Now, in my book, We Are Adam, the partnership of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and what it means for you, I discuss briefly about this idea that many words in the Bible are not necessarily just given names, but rather are used interchangeably, such as titles or mantles. 
So, for instance, God is not merely Heavenly Father, although depending on the context, it can mean that. Usually God is a title that means both Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, a title or mantle that covers them both, much like the title or word family means everyone involved in that particular institution, the husband, the wife, the father, the mother, the children. So that is the direction that we are heading, the path that we are striving to get on and remain on. That is the end goal of this covenant path that begins with birth, meaning gaining a physical mortal body, baptism, and all the other covenants that we worthily participate in until resurrection and our final kingdom assignment, celestial, terrestrial, celestial. If a male, if a male is meant to become a god, a female is meant to become a goddess. So it is crucial to get the beginning of the story right. Or as we have witnessed over centuries, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering and confusion will and has ensued. And progress will be delayed for both sexes, especially for the one causing the pain at the expense of the other. Let's talk about the garden. How are we to look at these events differently? We have two very important hyper-focused on trees in the Garden of Eden, the tree of good and evil and the tree of life. We know the story. If we just break it down in the most simplistic terms, God says eat everything they want except the one tree, the tree of good and evil. Satan puts it in the idea into the head of Eve to ignore that. She eats. She gives some to Adam. They are driven from the garden. They have babies. It begin the human race. We know that story. Oh, but what beautiful symmetry and complexity we miss when we boil down something as holy as this into seemingly simple terms. For this is a very holy experience holy time. Now, as members of the church, we do not believe that the fall was a tragedy, but rather a preordained plan that was orchestrated by our heavenly parents. And at the very center of that plan is, of course, Jesus Christ. Nothing that happened in the garden was by accident. I mean, come on, since God is all-powerful, all-knowing, he wouldn't have allowed an accident to happen, right? To either one, jeopardize the plan, the entire plan, or to put the plan in motion. He was not going to depend on an accident, meaning there were no accidents. There was no sin committed by either Adam or Eve. Transgressions, yes, but sin, no. So let's get back to those two trees. Each tree is symbolic of doorways, doorways from and into the presence of God. Since Adam and Eve partook of the tree of good and evil, we can just as appropriately name this the tree of mortality, because that is where their mortality began. Their bodies were now able to die, where before their body, they were not able to die. They were banned from there on. They were banned from the tree of life, which gave them continued immortality, right? So as soon as they partook of the tree of mortality, tree of good and evil, 
that stopped them. God stopped them from now partaking of the tree of life. That's what was banned. And that was banned immediately. They didn't even get a chance. So that's one of the key points that I'm trying to make is there were no accidents. God had it all in control. We can trust him with the plan. And the fall was part of the great plan of happiness, the great plan of salvation. Two trees, two people, two trees, two stewards. Each tree and each individual, Adam and Eve, were involved with, participated in, and stewards over specific ordinances. Now, let's remember the definition of an ordinance. We find this in the handbook, which is on the churchofjesuschrist.org, and that link is in the show notes. An ordinance is a sacred, physical, formal act with symbolic meaning that is performed by the authority of the priesthood. So baptism, for instance, that is an ordinance. As I've stated before in another podcast, we don't need to change anything about the priesthood, such as ordaining women. We need to change our understanding of it as we currently are right now in the process with the unfolding restoration of the church. More and more is being unfolded about how the priesthood works and how women are involved in the priesthood and the greater partnership that we have in it and with it. The tree of mortality represents the doorway from heaven to earth, to mortality. We enter this through the ordinances of birth, gaining a physical body, keeping our free agency that we had in the pre-mortal realm and are given opportunities and experiences that awaken that light of Christ that we've been promised. Now, the tree of life represents the doorway from, from our mortality back to heaven. We enter this doorway through ordinances that pertain to salvation, such as baptism, sealing, priesthood ordination for men, Priesthood ordination is not necessary for women to, uh, for salvation, but we do need the priesthood. Who are stewards over each tree? Who presides over mortality? Well, women bring souls through the first doorway, giving them bodies, awakening within those bodies the light of Christ. Eve then was steward over the first tree, the tree of mortality. So who presides over the salvation ordinances? Men are responsible for the ordinances of baptism, confirmation, endowment, sealing. So Adam was steward over the second tree, the tree of life. With just that information alone, can we understand why Eve was created second? She wasn't an afterthought or an add-on, and she wasn't a guest in her own world. The entire plan had to be initiated by her, kicked off, so to speak. So just as her daughters need to initiate the plan, in part by helping souls through that first tree, through helping them into mortality by giving them bodies. Now remember, while creating bodies and giving birth is extremely important and holy, it is not the sole reason or purpose of Eve or her daughters. Eve was titled the mother of all living 
before she ever gave birth to a single child, before she ever carried another soul within her womb. This says a lot about the divine mission and worth of women. We are life givers, no matter our marital or parental status. Now, don't you find it fascinating that Adam and Eve were not created together at the same time? Why? Why not? God can do anything. Why create Adam and then make him wait for Eve, for his spouse, for the mother of his children? Why do that? Adam had to wait for Eve because God wanted to highlight to him and to us that Eve was vital to the plan, to God's plan, to our heavenly parents' plan as wonderful and strong and capable that Adam was, he could not initiate God's plan. He needed Eve and not just because she could carry and give birth to the human bodies for humanity. Eve gave Adam life through partaking of the fruit that she gave to him. Adam now became mortal, now capable to be a full partner with God and Eve to get on his own path to salvation, to return to heaven and our heavenly parents, but also to be able to bring about mankind, to become full partners with God and Eve, to create souls, right? But Eve was more to Adam than a vessel. Adam was the one that recognized Eve for who and what she was as soon as she was first introduced to him by God, life giver. That is what Adam called her. That is who he recognized that she was when he first saw her, when God first introduced the two of them. Now Adam felt alive. This is who he had been waiting for. So women ignite life in the world. And we ignite life in our relationships, in our communities, in our families. And that is not something to be taken lightly. It is holy. It is God's plan. I love this quote by Valerie Hudson Kassler. It is through the work and power of women that souls journey to mortality and gain their agency. And in general, it is through the nurturing of women, their nurturing love of their children, that the light of Christ is awakened within each soul. And then Valerie continues on with this beautiful reminder. We should include in that list of souls, Jesus the Christ. Even Christ our Lord was escorted to mortality and veiled in flesh through the gift of a daughter of Eve, fed at his mother's breast and awakened to all that is good and sweet in the world. Women escort every soul through the veil to mortal life and full agency. Close quote. So there were two trees, two stewardships, two equal and inseparable partners in God's great plan of happiness. We have a divine mission as women, and it's not tied up in our relationships. We add life to any relationship we enter into. We add life into the world through our missions, through our purpose, through our goals, through our actions, through just being alive. 
We were a key integral part of the plan. We were created second, or Eve was created second, created last. And as, and as President Hinckley said, she was the crowning achievement on the creation. She was such an important part of the plan of happiness, the plan of salvation. So there was a reason why she was created when she was created, why she was not created out of the dust like Adam was symbolically. In part, she was created from Adam to show that the two of them at one time were together whole as one person. And now the goal is for men and women, Adam and Eve, to come back together as one unit, inseparable, different, because they have different stewardships. They preside over different ordinances. And I do believe that giving birth is an ordinance of the priesthood. I believe that many of the other aspects of womanhood, and remember, these are my thoughts, my commentaries. This is not doctrine. But how else could creation happen but through the power of the priesthood? We know that. We know that that is how God created everything was through that power of the priesthood. So birth, creating humans is nothing less than doing that by the authority of the priesthood. It's amazing. It's holy. It's sacred. So women, as you are looking for your divine mission and your divine purpose, Go back, go back to the Garden of Eden and really soak in what the message of that is, of how sacred you are, of what your divine mission is of a life giver. How are you a life giver? Is there something you need to be doing differently, more of, less of, for you to realize the mission that God has already planned out for you? the divine mission as a woman, as a daughter of Eve, as a daughter of mother in heaven. It's a beautiful plan. Thank you so much for joining me today. Please hit subscribe. If you want to follow me, I blog on medium.com. The link is in the show notes. Visit me on my website. You can contact me there. That's in the show notes as well. Bye my book i do have in the show notes where you can purchase we are adam i go into a lot of these concepts and even more about how women and men are meant to be equal partners in two very distinct sacred holy ways that they cannot fulfill either one of their missions separately thank you again for joining me and have a wonderful blessed day